0: Grace is a great place to start today. To absolutely realize that your sins have been washed away. Just pause in that for a moment. The overwhelming pleasure of our great God and King is to make us feel clean this morning. Make us feel pure, spotless, blameless. Think of those words. Clean, pure, spotless, blameless, without blemish. Absolutely in right standing before God. We can have boldness this morning. We can have assurance this morning. We can have confidence this morning. That we stand before our Father and He will not reject us. Grace like rain. Falling down. And it's just not now. It's every day we walk with Him. How marvelous is that grace this morning? Oh, how marvelous. I'm so grateful that we get to talk about our hearts. We talked last week about how valuable our hearts to Father God was. The extent of the rescue mission that He he went on to rescue our hearts and to inform us continuously, daily, moment by moment, how valuable our hearts are to Him. Because they are. And because our hearts are so valuable, the absolute need and necessity to guard our hearts. To protect it. To fight for them. To know that our heart is continuously before Him. Being taken care of by Him. So it was, it was crucial to just to start there last week, to start to talk about how valuable our hearts are to God. And therefore, because they're so valuable to God, how valuable they should be to us. Then it's okay to guard our hearts. That it's necessary to guard our hearts. Because there is a danger of our hearts becoming hard. Of losing If you think something is valuable, you will fight for it. If you have something valuable in your home and someone enters to steal it, you will fight for it. To protect it. To guard it. To secure it. And if there is a danger that our heart might grow cold and hard and distant from Father God, all the more reason that we should be aware Of that threat, and look for ways to guard, protect, and secure that heart in Him. There is a a modern day proverb written in 1969. Lance to see if you can appreciate this proverb and see if you know where it's from. How can people be so heartless? How can people be so cruel? It's easy to be hard. Easy to be cold. And I love that song only because it, it speaks to this this thing about having a hard heart that it's easy to be hard. It's really easy to be hard. We walk through some difficult times. There are many, many threats to our heart, to our body, to our minds, to our spirits, to our relationships. We're constantly being assaulted by something or someone. You talk about what the Will Heights are walking through right now. It is a hard time. I know some of your stories. I know you're walking through a difficult and hard time. Time. We're walking through a difficult and hard time. And all these things will attempt to squeeze us and, and cover us with something that will take that wonderful heart that God has given us, encase it in stone, so that it no longer feels the presence of God. We have to guard against it because it's easy to be hard, it's easy to be cold. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning that we were able to join together in worship. Lord, we want to continue that, that atmosphere of worship right now. So we pray that these words uh, that we bring to you, that I believe are from your heart, that you have given me, uh, will be worshiped to you. As we just bring ourselves to you and say, we're, we are opening ourselves to your word. We're, we want to receive your word. We want this to be an act of worship, an act of surrender to you, and say, Father, fill us with yourself. Show us how to protect our heart, how to guard our heart. Show us, because you are the keeper of our hearts. So, Father, again, I ask you that you would empty me totally of me, and then you would speak your words, your life, your promises, your proclamations to us through me. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The human heart, is the human physical heart, is really s- such a miracle muscle. It's awesome. I was reading it a little bit. You know, it, <laughs> just listen to this. When the heart is at rest, it just takes 16 seconds from our heart t- to the tip of our toes... The round trip takes 16 seconds for it to pump that. It pumps one and a half gallons of blood in doing that. It's pretty remarkable. The human heart produces enough energy to drive a truck for 20 miles. That's pretty incredible. Here's one of the most amazing things I I found out about the human heart that I never knew before. There there are dozens and dozens of facts about the human heart. The miracle that it is, the fact that it just pumps life throughout our body. 100,000 beats a day without us taking a single thought about it. Here's a wonderful thing that I think that speaks of, of Father God's heart in all this if you are looking at someone that you deeply love for three minutes into their, into their eyes for three minutes your heartbeat will actually sync up with theirs and start to beat like theirs. Same rhythm same beat. Pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool. Now think about this. This is the heart connection that Father God wants with us. That our heart so syncs up with His, so beats with the same rhythm of His, that we only hear one heartbeat and it's His. How beautiful is that? that God put that in our physical heart to mirror the spiritual heart that He wants to have with us. Wow! I think that's really cool. I think that's really exciting. Imagine the freedom that we would get, that we would receive if our hearts actually did that. More and more, more and more, more and more, as we beat with His heart. I want to give a definition of a hard heart this morning, and then I want to dive into a, a passage of Scripture that I think gives us an understanding about our heart and how it can become hard. Because it's easy to be hard. But before I give you this, this, this kind of working definition of a hard heart, I want us to realize that sometimes we, we think of a hard heart. We think of someone who is in total rebellion to God, and that would be a good description of a hard heart—someone that is just in total rebellion to, towards God and His ways, His Word. But sometimes I think we look at that and we can all probably all agree, yeah, that's a good definition for a hard heart. But that gives us an out because I'm not in rebellion to God. I'm following God. How could I have a heart? Here's my definition of of what I believe a hard heart is. It's one that's unyielding, unfeeling, and unresponsive. It's dull, and it's preoccupied with itself. You could say that a hard heart has a difficult time hearing and seeing God. That it's a heartbeat out of sync with God's heartbeat. That's what I think a hard heart is. And so you, we don't have to be in rebellion to God. And we don't have to be unsaved. We can be followers of Jesus Christ. Let's go to John, uh, Mark 6, verses 45, verses 45 to 52. Let's just read it and then we'll dive into it. Verse 45. Immediately he made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, to Pisaia. And when he dismissed the crowd... And after he had taken leave of them, he went up to the mountain to pray. And when evening came, the boat was out on the sea, and he was alone on the land. And he came, and he saw that they were making headway painfully, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. He meant to pass them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were terrified. But immediately he spoke to them and said, Take heart. It is I, do not be afraid. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, and they were utterly astounded, for they did not understand about the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. This is an amazing passage here, because so much is happening. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people, and probably more like 15,000 people, because oh, they didn't count the women and the children. He has just, just finished that huge miracle. And almost immediately, or it says immediately, he's compelling them to get into the boat. He's—he says it made them get into the boat. It's like he's pushing them into this boat to go to the other side of the sea and wait out of town for him. Why is Jesus so anxious to get rid of his disciples? What is going on here? Does he know that a storm is coming? And he wants them to get across before it hits? Does he know that a storm is coming and he wants them to be caught in the middle of it? We don't really know. We can only kind of guess and maybe read the rest of the scriptures what's going on here. But I have a a tendency to believe that that Jesus knows what's going to happen. But it doesn't doesn't stress him out. He sends him on a mission to go to the other side. He's going to meet up with them. But then I wonder, I said, what are the disciples thinking at this moment? Certainly they're seasoned fishermen, and they can read the sky, and they pretty much, maybe they know the storm is coming. But they get in the boat anyway. But are they wondering how Jesus is going to get there? I mean, they got the only boat. How is Jesus going to get there? I can see all these questions forming in their mind, and, and it makes me want to explore the story a little bit differently, a little bit more in depth. So it says Jesus spent the evening praying. And I, and I think this is really important because Jesus is spending this time sinking his heart back with Father God's. Just did this major miracle. Awesome expression of his power, of his divinity. I think he's sinking his heart up with God because I think he's also he's getting prepared for the next one. For the next miracle he's got to do. For the next step of his journey. So he's taking the time to sink up his heart with God. So I think that's important to notice. So the storm says, you know, it comes up and it says it makes their journey across uh, a difficult one because the wind was against them and their progress was slow. Rowing was hard and painful, and that word actually means torture. It was torture to roll against the storm. So the, the, the disciples, they're having a hard time. They're hardly across the sea. They're, they're, just, they're making so little headway that it's, it's crazy. Jesus is now walking on the stormy sea. It's almost daylight. It's almost dawn. Jesus has been praying all the night. The disciples have been rolling all night. And he starts to walk on the sea, a stormy sea, to go across the other side. And here's this phrase that throws me off every time I read it. And it was about the fourth watch, almost dawn, of the night. He came to them walking on the sea, and he meant to pass them by. What's up with that? Jesus sees them. He knows that they're having a torture of a time rolling across this sea. And it's like he's just walking on the water. And it's stormy. He's having no issues with it, obviously. He's walking by, hey guys, how are you doing? And he's just like, he's, he's, he just keeps on going. He wants to keep on going. What's up with that? I think there's a couple of things going on here. It seems like Jesus is not concerned about his disciples at first, or is he? I look at the beginning of that passage and I remember he gave them a mission to go to the other side and wait for Him. He knew they were going to make it. So I'm thinking Jesus is really just enjoying his walk on the water. Hey, I don't, I don't get to do this often. But there's also a hint in what he says to them. Very powerful hint. And he meant to pass them by walking on the sea. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and they cried out. Now, thinking it was a ghost, here's an interesting thing. At this time, the Jewish superstition mixed with the Greek superstition of the day. And there was one among fishermen and about sailors, about demons that walked on on the surface of the water during storms. That it was their intent to mess with fishermen and sailors and destroy their boats. So they got this superstition probably running around in their head. They're afraid. They're tired. They've been rolling all night. Now their mind is playing tricks on them. Jesus is walking across the sea. They don't recognize who it is. They see this person, this entity walking across, and they think it's a ghost. They think it's one of these demons coming to destroy them. And they cry out. They're not crying out to Jesus. They're afraid. They're terrified. They're crying out in fear. Their mind is totally not on who this person really is walking towards them. Jesus comes and says these powerful words here. It says, take heart, it is I, and do not be afraid. When it said before that he meant to pass them by, it is really a reflection of what happened with, with God and Moses. When God passed by Moses to reveal his glory that Jesus was demonstrating something very important here. He was revealing who He was. He meant to pass the by because He was revealing the glory of the fact that only God could supersede the storm and walk on the surface of it as if there was no problem whatsoever. He meant to pass the by because He was revealing His glory to them. He was revealing His divinity to them. He was showing them who was master of the seas. This is really important to to, to realize when we continue to read this story, what Jesus was attempting to do. So, and this whole phrase here that says, take heart, it is I. This is an I am statement. I am. I am God. I am Him. I am the one who is in control of everything. I am. Take heart, it is I. It's not, he didn't say, it's Jesus. Hey, guys, it's me. He said, it is I. This is an I am statement. He, again, it's a verbal statement of what he was just demonstrating by walking on the, on the ocean, on the sea. All right, let's continue a little bit deeper into the story. He says this. He says, I am making an I am statement. He's making a statement about his divinity, that he's the master of the seas, that there's no storm, that he cannot calm. And the disciples missed the point. And he got into the boat with them, and the wind ceased. And that means to relax. And they were utterly astounded and that word means to be at the wits' end, to be out of one's mind, and they can't figure it out. What just happened? They were utterly astounded. Didn't they just see five, fifteen thousand people get fed? Because it says there they didn't understand about the loaves. I'm going. What are we, what are we talking about? We're talking about this walking on the water thing, and, they, and they, they were utterly astounded because they didn't understand the loaves. They didn't get the picture. Of who God really was. And the circumstances, the storm that they were walking through, they were giving more reality to to the fact of who was in their presence on a continuous basis. The Son of God. Jesus Christ. The I Am. They under, didn't understand the loaves. They didn't understand the whole idea of what Jesus was doing there. And it says they were utterly astounded. But isn't, isn't being astounded by God a good thing? Isn't it supposed to be a good thing? But this is not a sense of wonder that's being described here. This is not, wow, look what, look what God just did. Praise Him. Worship Him. This is, instead, I can't believe what I just saw. How could that happen? See, it's shrouded. That, that sound is shrouded in unbelief. It's this thing that begins to go over one's heart and start to harden it. It's because it's shrouded in unbelief. It's not, wow, I'm so blown away by the goodness of God and I, I knew He was going to come through but I just, I'm in wonder and awe struck of him because of his power and his majesty. It's, it's no man. What just happened? There's doubt there that, that something, they didn't understand what happened, but they still haven't attributed to the fact that that was God doing something in their midst. So it says, but their hearts were hardened. And that word actually means make dull, hard as stone but well, they did not understand you know what that word means to comprehend, comprehend and put the pieces together like a puzzle they couldn't put the pieces together about the bread about the storm about Jesus walking on water the conflict of their superstitions of their unbelief were so strong that it just it seemed to shroud in unbelief what they just saw god do what they had been seeing god doing in their midst this is Mark 6. In Mark 4, Jesus is asleep in the boat in the middle of a what? A storm. They wake him up and what does he do? He calms the storm. He says, peace, be still. Jesus has already calmed the storm in their lives. They find themselves in the midst of another one and they still don't get it. And we need to learn from Jesus here in this, in this way. We've got to go back a little bit to, to the story of, of Jesus feeding the 5,000. When Jesus was finished with that miracle, Jesus did not do this. Go, whew, I'm glad that worked. (laughs) I'm glad you came through. Man, that would have been a tough one to explain to these guys. Five loaves of bread, two fishes, come on, let's divide them up. And there's no doubt in Jesus. He knows what his Father can do, he assumes that God's going to come through because of who God is. There's no doubt, no wavering in Jesus Christ in expecting miracles to be done because he knows who he is and he knows who his father is. He knows who has his heart. His heart is in sync with Father God, so he knew that this is what God wanted to do. Take these five loaves of bread, take these two little fish, and give a free lunch for five, you know, fifteen thousand people. That's our example to follow. I don't think we should condemn the disciples because. Um, I think there are times that we take what God has done in our lives and what He promises to do, and sometimes we place it in the hard-to-believe category. We've had experiences with God, where God has done great and mighty things in are a mess. We find ourselves in different hard circumstances, situations that are really pressing in on us, but they're different from the ones we already walked through. But somehow, you put it in the it's hard to believe God's going to come through on this one category. We do this as human beings. A heart gets hard. And why is a hard heart so dangerous? Almost any male that I know, from age 5 to, to age 59, you we get in front of a body of water, one of the first things we do is find something to pick up and throw into it. I know this from my boys when they were little, from when, and, and, and I still do it. When I go down to the river to be by myself and have time with God, I'm, not, I'm on this cliff, and I'm chucking rocks into the water as I'm praying. Picking rock up the rock, throwing it into the water. What does a rock do when it hits water? It splashes, but what does it eventually do? It sinks. Why is a hard heart dangerous to have? Because it sinks away from God. A hard heart doesn't float, it sinks. So that's one of the things because if we're sinking away from God's promises, from, from His heart itself, we're. we're going to, can can you hear underwater? Not very well. Can you breathe underwater? No. Not very long. Well, you could hold your breath, but you can't really breathe underwater. So the question is, can you live underwater? No. We can't. God wants us above the water, walking on the waves walking on the the stormy waves, walking with Him on the stormy waves. He doesn't want us to sink away from Him. Alright, so there are three things in this story that I think threaten to sink our heart. Okay, your heart will sink if you think Jesus is passing you by. Your heart will sink if you think Jesus is going to pass you by. That He's not concerned about your life or about the storm that that you're rolling really hard against. Your heart will sink if you stop seeing Jesus and who he says he is. If you lose faith in his word, his promises. And here's the biggest one, I think. You doubt his goodness. That's when you mistake Jesus for a ghost. Someone that's not really there. Your heart will sink. Your heart will sink if you think the arm is bigger than who he is. If you give more authority, more power, more weight to anything but Him, when you think your past, your mistakes, your sickness, your failures are more powerful than He is, your heart will sink. This is what this passage is trying to teach us here, among many other things. So what can we do? Jesus told us in verse 50, He says to take heart. Take heart. Those words in the Greek mean to exercise bold and confident courage. There are hard threats every day. Threatening to take our heart away from us. Jesus says, you can take your heart back. You can choose to take your heart back. Or you can choose to allow something else to take it from you. There's authority in this word, take heart. And look who is telling us to do this. And imagine the authority that's in those words, take heart. Heart. So it is not just a, a good encouragement from Jesus Christ here. It is a command. Take heart. Take it. Take it. And we can exercise this kind of courage because it's not in us. The courage is not in us. but and, Or our power. It's, it is in the great I am. Psalm 27:14 says, Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. The Hebrew word here for take means to seize, to conquer, and to bind. Seize, conquer, and bind. Sometimes we have to conquer this thing. Rope it up. And bind it to the greatest heart that there is. The word wait is also talking, actually, about binding something together. But it talks about weaving. I'm weaving my heart to God's. I have captured my heart. I have taken it. I have conquered it. And I have submitted it to His his power and His authority. And I am weaving that heart by waiting on Him. And now our hearts are synced up, tied up. He also tells us to not be afraid. Don't be afraid. And believe it or not, we can choose whether or not to be afraid. That's what this says. If Jesus is telling us, don't be afraid... I think that kind of gives us the option to not be afraid. It gives us the freedom to, to not be afraid. That there is a way to face the storm and not let fear control how we react to the storm. John 16, 13 says this, I have said these things to you that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, hard times. But take heart. I have overcome the world. The greatest, you know, we said this last week. The, the, the greatest way to, to guard our heart is to surrender it to the greatest heart that there is, Father God. That is that is the ultimate key to realize that this is the greatest. But this is how we take heart. First, is to surrender it to Him, and, and with the words, "Okay, I got to take my, I got to take heart here, Father. Take it. <laughs> take my heart. Subdue it. Conquer it." with your love, with your mercy, with your, with, with your power. Weave it together with, with yours so that it begins to, to copy your synchronization, your, your rhythm, of how you beat, how, how you want mine to beat. See, the danger of a hard heart, it will sink with fear. It will sink with doubt. It will sink for not seeing who Jesus really is. But... Jesus said, man, you can walk on the water the same way I can. My power is in you. My life is in you. I have made a home in your heart. Your heart is valued to me. Why would I want it to sink? If it's valuable to me, if I, I hold your heart in high regard, so much so that I sent my son to die for that heart, to redeem that heart, to make that heart brand new, to make it alive and vibrant, living for me, why would I want it to sink? So you're in a boat, you're in a storm, and you're rolling really hard, and it seems like God doesn't care, and He's passing you by. Don't believe it. Take heart. Take this heart and put it in someone who really cares about you, Jesus Christ. Take it. Give it to Him. Allow Him to do the things that He needs to do in it so that we're not afraid of the storm. He got in the boat with them got in the boat. And as soon as he got in the boat, what happened? Everything calmed down. It still had to get to the other side. There was still some journey left. Some process left. Some learning. But man, we can't let our hearts get hard. Because we'll miss things like this. We'll miss what God wants to do in the middle of the storm. What he wants to teach us. What he wants us to learn about his heart in this process. I hated walking through all the abuse that I went through as a kid. It was not a pleasant time. It was torturous. I was being terrorized. Some of the greatest freedom that I walk in now, some of the greatest lessons I learned were through those years of abuse. I wouldn't wish them on anybody. It's not a way a way a young man should learn about life. But God was in the boat with me. And he helped me learn what it means to take heart. At an early age. And it was, (laughs) take it. (laughs) Take my heart. Please, I don't... if If I hold on to it, it's going to sink. It's going to sink. So can I encourage you this morning to hear those words differently? Take heart. It is I. The great I am in the midst of you, loving you, showing you my power, showing you my authority, showing you my ability to calm any storm at any moment that I choose. Your choice is to believe in me and walk into grace like rain. Amen? Father, thank You for this morning that you, can, that you can express Your heart to us and that it, it is intended that our hearts sync up with Yours. So we ask that, Father, that You would help us, that You would take our hearts. That You would show us what it means to, to have bold and confident courage in You. No matter what storm we're in, no matter what storm we're facing, no matter what storm is on the horizon that we know is coming, We won't be afraid of that storm because we know who you are and what you have done in our lives as as a testimony to hang on to and knowing that you are working in our lives now and you will continue to work in our tomorrows because your intent is to bring our heart closer to yours to make it look like yours beat like yours love and live like your heart and that's what we want we want your heart So keep us, Father. We give ourselves to You. We give our hearts to You. We give everything that we are to You and we say, Father, we thank You this morning that we can walk in grace, that we can walk in forgiveness, that we can stand before You as clean, righteous, pure, without blemish, sons and daughters of the Most High and You embrace us with that love. Oh, we're so grateful for that. To so bless these wonderful hearts that came out this morning. I pray that You would bless their day. You would bless their week. That every moment that they walk through, they will feel Your presence 100%. That they won't be able to escape Your love. That their thoughts will stay on You so that they will be in perfect peace. And that their storms, I pray, Father, that You but show them how powerful You are in the midst of their storms. Minister to their hearts, Lord. Help them with their finances. Help them with their relationships. Help them with their health. Whatever storm it is, Father, I pray that You would help and deliver them. Rescue them. Bring them to the other side. And I pray that they will be encouraged today knowing that You want their hearts to be like yours. And You want to look into their eyes. And reveal who you are to them. Thank you for being the lover of our souls. The lover of our hearts. And lover of all we are. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.